This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Delighted to be joined on the show by a previous guest, a guest who is one of the, the most senior sports executives in, in the UK. Adrian Bevington is my guest today. You will know him from working with various clubs uh, up and down the country and in England and the UK, and also from having worked at the English FA for over a decade as well. But he's on the show today to talk about some of the real key issues that are arising in football at the moment and also what he's up to now. First of all, Adrian, how are you? I'm very well, Callum, and it's always a pleasure to uh, be back on the show and speaking to you and very impressed by the, the brilliant interviews you get and the progress you've been making. No, I really appreciate that and I'm, I'm delighted to have you back on the show. I mentioned in the intro there that you, you've worked in football and worked in sport for a, for a long time. What is your current role? Uh, it's a bit different to something I've, I've been doing previously. Um, I'm working with uh, an, an investment fund, in effect, that's a fintech business uh, built on uh, a data model, uh, one, certainly one of football's biggest data models created by uh, um, a North American, a uh, couple of guys from Canada who you know worked in Silicon Valley uh, but are now operating out of the UK. And we are... You know, we've got significant funding in which we're working with clubs, elite clubs, and also uh, with players, uh, where we're looking at, you know, de-risking their financial future because obviously, uh, you know, unfortunately we're aware that too many footballers uh, are experiencing, despite the, the high earnings, they experience a lot of financial difficulties when they retire for a multitude of reasons. So we're very much in that space at the moment, working with clubs and players, uh, and it's 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 been a um, a really enjoyable and educative process uh, over the, I think it's nine months that I've been working with the company and, you know, meeting, meeting players face to face and and also being, still being part of the industry, which is really important to me. Obviously, I, I pay attention to your social media. You're one of the, the, the people that I follow within the game. You're very passionate about football. I noticed recently you've been attending uh, matches again up and down the country. You've been at Scunthorpe. You've been at Hartlepool. How much are you enjoying being back in stadia with fans again? Because it's something we've all missed. Look, it's something that I'm sure I speak like everyone, everyone does who is passionate about football. Uh, not to have been able to go to a game for over a year was just unbelievable for me and actually it was only when I started going back that I realized just how much I had missed it and you know from your own know, mental well-being and it's something that we you know we talk about at different points it, it's it, it's part of your part of your life it's part of your DNA and I, I just can't get enough games at the moment I've been very fortunate I, you mentioned I went to Scunthorpe on the opening day I saw them play a very good Swindon Town team I've been to Hartlepool several times through a friendship with the, the owner of Hartlepool. It's quite local to where I live and really enjoyed their, their home form has been fantastic this season. Had a great afternoon watching Huddersfield Fulham where Fulham were breathtaking. Uh, and, 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 and this week I'm heading out to, I'm going up to see the uh, European game up at Rangers tomorrow, see them play Lyon. 
which should be a really good atmosphere. Friday, I'm at Newcastle United v Leeds United. And then on Saturday, I'll be watching um, Oldham Athletic and Hartlepool and taking in as many games as I possibly can. That, that is exactly what I love to hear and what, what listeners will love to hear because we all love our football and it's it's, it's always it's always special when, when you've got people who work within the game who are as passionate about the game as, as us as fans. You mentioned going to the Rangers-Leon game. You do have a, an interest and a passion for Scottish football. Before we talk about that as a whole, I want to ask you about our national team because... With a very good result against Austria away from home, we obviously qualified for the European Championships in the summer for the, the first major tournament the male side has been at since 1998. What have you made of the Scotland national team recently and, and, and what did you make of that result against Austria in particular? Well, I saw the game against Austria on TV. I watched the whole game live. Uh, from I was in London in a hotel room and um, I really enjoyed the game. I thought I was actually talking to um, someone who played in the game actually uh, recently and it, it reminded me of a more of, of an, an old-fashioned qualifying game. You know, it was proper held to skeleton football. Both teams, you know, not a massive difference between the two teams, in my opinion. Both going after it. Both got some really good players in their teams. Played in a proper football stadium, uh, the Ernst Happel or something. That's what it used to be called, as I remember it, in Vienna. Not an easy game for Scotland, and I was delighted to see them get the result. You know, a very important result that that then leads them to the big game with, with Israel next month, where I'm sure Hamden Park would be absolutely bouncing for that. Uh, I also was at Wembley uh, for the for the Euros game uh, with Scotland. I took my son to the game, and we were actually sat very close to where the majority of the Scotland fans were. And again, absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. Scotland played ever so well the night, in my opinion, on the evening, the better team. Uh, you know, w- w- watching people play like Billy Gilmore, who we've talked about before, is a real talent coming through. And, and, and one of a number of emerging players coming out of Scotland uh, that you know are, are improving the national team and will improve the quality of the whole of Scottish football as it evolves moving forward. So, you know, what really struck me, I've been to England-Scotland games before, or Scotland-England games at Hamden. What, what struck me, and I, and I love about the Scotland fans, um, is just the, the real you know, genuine love of supporting the national team. And I know it's, you know, there's, there's, there's always the kind of the, the failures that are associated with the Scotland team over the years, the great failures of Argentina and so forth. But there is, you know, there's such a humour about it as well. I, lo- I just love the colour of the, the way they support the team. The, and the whole thing, the yes, sir, I can boogie thing, really. I mean, I took video of that and I was driving people mad with it myself because... I loved it. And I kind of, it's a different type of humour to what I kind of experienced around the England team all those years. So, yeah, I think, you know, it, it was a really important result against Austria a couple of weeks ago because it got the momentum back on track after the first game that was disappointing. And then the, the, the Moldova game obviously took them back in the right direction. And then to, to beat Austria was a, was a really important one. So hopefully um, we'll see Scotland progress further forward and, you know, Football can only major football tournaments can only benefit from the Scotland national team being part of it. In my opinion, you, you mentioned the Euros there. Obviously, the top sides such as England, uh, Belgium, Italy. Obviously, the eventual winners, Denmark, were very good. Spain, that you could say the usual suspects in many regards. Now, of course, Scotland have a long way to go before we reach that level as a nation. But you reference one player in particular in Billy Gilmore who 
he's outstanding technically, and that's something that I think we're seeing more of in Scotland. You think of Andrew Robertson at Liverpool, you think of Kieran Tierney at Arsenal, Scott McTominay at Manchester United. How pleasing is it for you as an observer of football to see more and more Scottish players be able to play for some of the top teams in England again? Because when you think of that era, you referenced Argentina earlier, Scotland had an abundance of players playing at the top clubs. We might not have as many now, but it appears that we're slowly but steadily heading in that direction again, potentially. You're correct. And I think, it. look, for me, it's really important. Look, it's important that, you know, the, the, the Scottish domestic game is vibrant. But for the Scottish domestic game to be vibrant, you've got to be producing, you know, more better young players, which isn't dissimilar to the situation that England were faced with maybe 20 years ago. England then put a plan together and Scotland have, have put a lot of work into this as a national association and the clubs through their development systems in, in, in recent years as well. So I think you're starting to see, hopefully, the fruits of that come through, but it takes time. I, 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 you're right. Look, I, as, a, as, a, as a youngster, you know, Spain 82, blimey, what a squad that went to Spain 82 and Mexico 86 on the back of um, 74 and 78. You know, Graham Simmons is one of my favourite all-time players. Um, you know, you've got the great Kenny Dalglish. He can reel off the whole of the Scotland squad from that period, likes of Alan Brazil, Alan Hansen, Willie Miller, Ali McCoy, Alex McLeish, going on to people like Ali McCoy as you move forward. You know, some really good players. And I, I just think it's brilliant for all of the home nations. I had the pleasure of working with Wales for the Euros in 2016 as there. I worked as that tournament consultant for them. And um, I think tournaments are better when there are more of the home nations teams there and the, you know, the, the, the fervour of the support, you know, around um, Scotland, Wales and, and the Irish teams is absolutely fantastic. It is, and it's been refreshing in the last decade to see all of the home nations participate in a major tournament, obviously with the Republic of Ireland, um, at, at tournaments with Northern Ireland at Euro 2016. You mentioned that run of Wales, obviously they got to this tournament as well, Scotland and, and England as well. So hopefully the national team can continue to go in, in that direction. The reason I wanted to start with the national team, Adrian, is because given your experience in football, I wanted to get your honest perspective on the Scottish game. I know you enjoy Scottish football. I saw you tweeting about the, the Edinburgh Derby at the weekend. I think a lot of people were were enthralled by that game, even though it was a nil-nil. First of all, before we talk about the wider issues in Scottish football, what do you make of the quality from the games that you've seen this season? Because I think Sky, in all, in all fairness, have televised some really good games. I think of the, the Hibs-Motherwell game at the start of the season and obviously the Edinburgh Derby. What have you made of the well, quality on the park? The, the, the games that you've mentioned there, I watched all three games on TV. Um, I'm going to make it my business this year, and I've spoken to a few people up in, in, in the Scottish domestic game about trying to arrange to get up and see certain games because um, I, I agree with you. I think the quality... Look, I thought the old, the old firm derby was a real high-quality game. It was still had a, it had a proper tempo to it, but it you know both, both teams were really... you know Different styles of play, really going after it, and I, I thought it was a really enjoyable game to watch. The, the Edinburgh derby at the weekend, you know, both goalkeepers pulled off some really good saves. You know, it's brilliant to see Craig Gordon playing so well again. I mean, he he is really in form at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I saw the opening game. Um, I think that was on a Sunday afternoon, the Motherwell-Hibernian game from memory. And, you know, that was a another, another, another cracking game. But I, I like the fact that you've got, you know, you've got both teams from Edinburgh really, you know, performing well at the moment, you know, clearly going in the right direction, having had a couple of difficult years, great crowds behind them. Um, you know, Rangers, obviously, you're building on their success of, of winning the title. Celtic, after a, 
you know, a, a, a difficult summer, uh, no one can deny. But importantly, you know, the, 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 the manager seems to have got things moving quite quickly in the direction he wants to move things. There's clearly, clearly a playing identity that he's, he's putting on the pitch there. And they've got some very exciting players as well. So um, it's not just about the two Edinburgh teams and, 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 and the old firm, of course. You know, um, I'm, I'm keen to watch the Dundee teams. I've seen Dundee play on TV. Um, you know, I always try to follow Aberdeen. Uh, you know, I, I know people at Dundee United. Motherwell always seem to punch above their weight too. So, um, you know, can't name check everybody, but I think the quality of the league is far better than people who don't watch it appreciate. And I say that importantly, people who don't watch it maybe have a perception of what the quality is like. Those people that do watch it regularly understand that actually there are some really good players and there's some very good quality games being, being played in Scotland. And it's great. I saw Chris Sutton talking about this at the weekend. You know, and I, I totally agree with, don't agree with everything Chris says, but I totally agree with, with what Chris said, um, you know, with regards to the quality of, of football up there. And I was speaking to someone else who actually, speaking to a player actually yesterday about this from Scotland. And, you know, they, you know, they, they were agreeing that there are some really good players up there. So I think it's progressing in the right direction, Carl. As, as you know, I enjoy watching Scottish football. I've, I've been brought up with it. Um, one of the things that frustrates me and, 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 and I think a lot of others at times is the commercialisation of the Scottish game. For, a, for a, a period of time, we didn't have a title sponsor for our league. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, the Premier League in England doesn't have a commercial a, a title sponsor. That's a completely different ballgame and I think people need to remember that in terms of the financial parameters. In terms of getting maximum exposure for the Scottish game. How do you think we could achieve that? Because we've now got a title sponsor at long last, but crucially, I still don't think there's enough eyes on the game out with Scotland at times, and that's something I'd like to see more of. Well, I think it's a really interesting development that we've seen this week with um, several of the clubs um, announced that they're um, you know, looking at a review into the branding and structure um, of, the, of the SPFL. And, and obviously there were supportive comments on that from... Um, the SPFL's chief exec, Neil Doncaster, alongside quotes from various people, including the likes of uh, Dave Cormack from Aberdeen. So I think that's a positive step. For, for me, you know, it's, it's not about criticising anybody. It's not easy to, to, to sell or market in such a competitive marketplace. But I do think the opportunity is there to, you know, maximise your commercialisation with um, embracing innovation as much as you possibly can you know and I've said this before trying to you know what can what can Scottish football do differently within the laws of the game within the rules but what can it do differently to make it stand out from any other league in how it uh, presents itself you know and, and 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 that's that's something that's that's a starting point that's without working with all of the different um, innovative organizations in the tech space that are out there at the moment that can bring different type of commercial partnerships that we're starting to see, to be fair, some of the clubs already have them, you know, and, and there are some very good people working in Scottish football, let's not underestimate that, who are working in the commercial space, whether it be with the federations, the league or the clubs, there are some good people there. So I am not in any way criticising any individuals or any organisations there, but I do think it's a, it's a quest to be as innovative as possible. You know, you, you, you have to get 
as many people interested in the game in all different formats across all different platforms in as many territories as possible. And look, you've got the big hook of the old firm game, of course, but you still have uh, a high quality league and an improving quality league, as I've just discussed in my opinion. What can you associate it with to make it stand out? And you know, you can't answer that in one short soundbite interview. That's something that has to be done in a detailed, structured way. But that's why I'm impressed with the announcement from those that have said they're looking at a, a review into how they could um, in, improve the commercialization of the league. Because clearly, the more revenue you can bring in, and you look back at times, you know, it's 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 over 30 years ago now. But you know, you look at the, the the introduction of the Premier League. You look at the great work of people at the Premier League, the likes of Richard Scudamore and everything under his stewardship, where. He revolutionised the way that the English league system worked. Now, you know, that the, the global reach of English football was not there before that. Previously, it was the Italian league that was reaching out or com combining that with the Spanish league. I'm not saying that the Scottish Premier League is going to have that level of reach, but there is an opportunity through the multi-dimensional platforms that people consume the game now. It's like really interesting. My son, out of nowhere... Um, this week, he, he 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 said to me he'd like to go up to a few games up there, and he's picked out a couple of games that in, in in the early part of the new year that he wants to go to. Now that's come from nowhere, and that's probably come from picking picking up some of the quality of the games on TV, and also being at Wembley, watching the Scotland team, seeing the Scotland fans. And look, that's one small story in isolation, but you know it's using using the the the, the amazing data and tech that's out there to drive your audience now. That, that's something that, that I think most people listening again will, will agree with. And, and you mentioned one of the things that could, well, aspects that Scotland maybe needs to, to show off. And one of them, I think, is passion because... There was, after the European Super League debacle, there was lots of clips going around on social media uh, talking about this is football, and it was it was a wide range of clips from non-league um, through the Football League of, of fans really showcasing what their club means to them. And I think in Scotland, yes, at times we might not have attendances in the, the 30s, 40,000s out with maybe um, Celtic and Rangers, but the fans that do turn up make incredible noise. The Dundee Derby, for instance, is coming up. That's going to be broadcast live on TV. And anyone who's listening to this who hasn't watched a game like that in Scottish football, I urge you to watch it because I can guarantee the atmosphere from the stands will be fantastic from start to finish. Is that a particular aspect you think we could potentially market more? Yeah, it's harnessing it. It's harnessing the passion. You look, I mean, uh, even the level of football I've been watching myself recently where, you know, Hartlepool United are getting crowds of between five and 7,000. There was five, five and a half thousand there on Saturday against Bristol Rovers, but you'd have thought there was 25,000 in the ground because of the noise of it. And, yeah, I'm sure that when the Dundee Derby takes place, it will be absolutely bouncing in the same way that, you know, lots of other games, the atmosphere is there. You've, you've, got, you've got a massive audience of fans who go to games in Scotland. But importantly, you've also got a massive audience of people who are football fans but actually don't go to games. Now, not everyone is always going to go to a game. But that doesn't mean you can't get them involved in being a, a fan of the game, an active fan of the game, through whatever platform they consume it. Obviously, you want as many people to go through the gates as possible, but grow your audience to make your audience as big outside as well as inside the grounds. And then what can you do beyond Scotland to make it, 
you know, you, you, you know, Scotland's got an unbelievable um, amount of people spread throughout the globe with, with traditional family links back into Scotland and supporting different teams for various reasons. And, you know, building on that, you've got two massive brands already in Celtic and Rangers. Um, but the strength of everything comes in, you know, great, greater numbers within that league and working, working together as much as possible. I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be naive here. Look, there's, there's great rivalry there. But in the collective, more can be achieved, in my opinion. One of the other things that I want to mention in terms of a club that, that you mentioned earlier, punch above their weight, is Motherwell. Their, um, their team, their media team behind the scenes, always seem to produce high-quality content. They've been nominated for, for numerous awards. And one of the things that they were able to do in the last couple of years was a feature-length documentary about David Turnbull, who's obviously now went on to play for Celtic in Scotland. And it was following him coming back from injury, and it was it was viewed thousands and thousands of times on on YouTube as well as uh, traditional uh, outlets as well. Do you think that the storytelling aspect of Scottish football is something that could help them reach a greater audience outside of maybe traditional broadcasting uh, mediums like TV, maybe on YouTube or TikTok or, or different platforms? Uh, absolutely, and this is exactly the point I'm making, Callum. That you know there are so many different platforms available now and then every club or organization can be its own and is its own publishing house so then it's about you as an organization working out how open and creative you're you're, you're willing to be able to be pushing the boundaries you know a club like as roma did this five or six years ago maybe longer now um you know they were they were really ahead of the game with their with their creativity i love the way manchester city did the you know they did their medicals the players you know i know that they've done it before but the, the whole jack grealish medical piece and everything the access that city provided there you know for clubs that, that that don't necessarily have the same level of media exposure now obviously you know celtic and rangers don't need to search for media exposure or publicity because it's on them all the time they, they're they're in the opposite end of the spectrum they can't breathe for the amount of scrutiny on them and that's always going to be the way but behind the scenes you have the ability as a football club or football organization you know working together as a leadership be it the chief executive the, the ownership um, the football team management with your marketing and, and, and media teams to decide how are we actually um, going, to, going to engage people because fan engagement is more important than ever before it's the most competitive uh, landscape out there and individuals are looking for a personalized experience you you are looking for something specific yourself you pick motherwell out as a club that do something creatively other people will pick other clubs out you've got to make any individual feel that you're talking to them and so you need to use the data to understand who you're talking to to know your audience and then work with your audience and and and, and give them what they want to be part of your supporter base and it's a true partnership then and that, and that also helps you grow your commercials massively because commercial partners want to be involved. And within that column comes, you know, the development of the women's and girls football because commercial partners quite rightly and understandably want to work with those organisations that have male and female football teams that are wherever possible treated equally and certainly that they're able to um, promote um, in, in, in an equal space because that then you're appealing to the whole audience. And, and just on the, the growth of, of the women's game, 
I've been really impressed, I have to say, with the coverage of the WSL on Sky and, and, and BBC. The, the, the viewing figures have, have clearly been very healthy and, and, and both organisations have been really pleased with them. Here in Scotland, we are also showing live games on the BBC Scotland channel, on BBC Alba. There's also a highlight show that's dedicated to the SWPL, which wasn't there two or three years ago. So the growth of the, the women's game in the last few years has been has been absolutely fantastic. And I, and I, be, I genuine, genuinely believe, Adrian, it's only the start. What's your thoughts on the growth of the female game so far? Because, as I say, in my opinion, the major tournaments have been quite well covered. Um, if you go back five, six years, but now the club football is starting to get the spotlight put on it. I said, look, I've, 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 I've watched and, and to a degree been involved in the, the, the evolution of, of, of the women's game in England um, and seen an incredible, sorry, seen an increased. Um, Financial commitment made from the various sporting national governing bodies, which needed to take place. We're now seeing much better facilities provided for for the girls and women to play in. Um, they, they, they're receiving better coaching. It's more accessible at a younger age. And the quality of football that we're seeing now is of a real high quality in comparison to what we may have seen historically. That's the natural evolution of women's football. Mm. The audiences will continue to grow. And anybody who doesn't realise that is barking up the wrong tree. You know, women's football is here to stay and it is going to continue to grow. The rate of which it will continue to grow will, will be determined. You know, I, I don't have an answer for that. But crowds will increase because there is a real determination from the major clubs and the major national governing bodies to drive women's football forward and the broadcasters are now right behind it and showing it and it is becoming increasingly mainstream. The, the, the players themselves have been very clever and very willing to engage from social media point of view way ahead of most of the male players because they realised they had to push it to promote it. So they're already committed to that and, I've, and I've, you know, I'm watching sort of second generation of social media footballers come through now. Uh, certainly certainly on the English side of it. And what we will see as well increasingly around the major tournaments, and that's why it is so important for you know the women's teams and the girls' teams to qualify for the, you know, the, the, the let's say the major women's national team to be at the World Cup and the European Championships will be a massive fillip for, for the country because live on terrestrial television, it will create a feel-good factor and it will grow greater levels of participation and it will work from a sponsorship point of view and create greater revenues in that regard. So the whole engagement piece continues to grow on the back of it. Absolutely. And and, and that's something that, that has been welcomed by so many. As I say, the viewing figures have been really healthy. And, and, and one of the aspects of those viewing figures, Adrian, that I want to, to mention on that is the ability to broadcast games live on terrestrial television now. I understand for different leagues and organisations that won't be possible. Um, obviously, here in Scotland, we've got extended highlights that are shown now on a Saturday night and a Sunday night after the action, whereas it used to be late on a Sunday night. How important do you believe it is to have an element of football on terrestrial TV that's fully accessible to the younger generation and even to an older generation who, who prefer to watch on TV? I, look, I think it's really important, particularly where we are at this um, stage of the um, the, the way that uh, the broadcast market is and you know we're seeing people now you know consume uh, live, live football 
you know, through, you know, various device, mobile devices. Um, but you've still got a significant part of the population who do consume it through the more traditional methods, through television. And not everybody is um, taking it uh, through a, a digital platform or a satellite service at the moment. So the, the um, free-to-air is still massively important. And I think the hybrid model that you talk about there is, is the best approach at this moment. It won't be forever, but certainly at this moment, it is really important. And I think we saw a really good example of that on Saturday evening with the tennis. You know, nine, was it nine million people watched the tennis on Saturday night and that wonderful evening. So um, that just gave you a, a feeling of, you know, when something is accessible, um, you know, the, the, the viewing figures do, you know, increase significantly. And while you're trying to grow a sport, and grow greater engagement if you can have the hybrid, uh, where obviously the, you know, the uh, the paid platforms, the likes of your Skies and your BT Sports and so forth, you know, they, they can dedicate a great deal more time and often resource to it. And they have been absolutely fantastic at driving uh, new sports and increasing participation numbers and producing brilliant television. They deserve nothing but praise in that regard. But if you've got the hybrid model with some terrestrial TV as well, all the better for me. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our 